Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon preparation uh, is it's a fascinating endeavor that Pastor Kevin and I get to do almost every week. The process is it's always different, but each week, each week that I sit down, I search the scriptures, I, I read, I think, I pray, I study, I ask people questions, I enter conversations, and then I write, and I delete a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> then I write some more and delete and write, and here I am before you today. It's, a, it's an art, this art of preaching. It's something that I've been trying to craft in my life for the last 15 years. And during these 15 years of, of preaching in school and as a pastor, I've been fine-tuning this craft. I've been working on my oration and my memorization, my accentuation and my alliteration. I've been working on my, my timing and my rhyming and my miming. Oh. Hey, I don't know about all those things, but I do know every once in a while I slip in a pretty stellar dad joke, so there's that too. But all for what? This sermon, this sermon got to me because I, I read Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, and Paul said, when I came to you, church in Corinth, I came not with lofty speech and wisdom. Ugh. Well, if I can't have fancy speech, what's the point of preaching, right? So here's the deal today. I'll just keep it simple. There will be no oration, no memorization, no accentuation, no alliteration. There will be no timing, no rhyming, no miming. And I promise you, unfortunately, there are no dad jokes in this sermon. I know. Is that what Paul meant? Paul said, just leave it all out. Don't, just don't even worry about preaching. Just stop doing all that. Well, I don't know about that. Let's take his words in context and see what he meant today. The first couple of verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says this. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Here in this section of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is teaching us the upside-down nature of the wisdom of God. Paul is contrasting godly wisdom with the wisdom of the world. Godly wisdom is rooted in the fact that God is in control. God is all-knowing. God is almighty. 
And he's got it all figured out. And the Proverbs tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Or as Martin Luther says, when we fear and love and trust in God above all things, God's wisdom is made known to us. That's godly wisdom. God is in control. He's got it all figured out. Worldly wisdom is based in gaining intellectual knowledge and intellectual standing among other people and coupling that with persuasive speech and a convincing argument. And so here Paul is contrasting godly wisdom with worldly wisdom. And he's very clearly making the point that he is coming counterculturally or upside down. Paul says, I came to you. When I first came to Corinth, I came not with lofty speech or wisdom. In the Greek culture of the city of Corinth and all throughout the, the Greek culture, what was highly respected were people who were these, they were public speakers. Uh, public speakers who were uh, intellectually knowledgeable and also had a fancy rhetoric or a, a, you could say a persuasive argument. So in the Greek culture, in the city of Corinth, the crowds would gather around these public speakers and listen to their rhetoric, listen to their ideas, listen to their uh, intellectual knowledge, and the crowds and the culture would be shaped by these public speakers. I don't think we're all that different in our 21st century American culture. While the Greeks valued intellectual knowledge and, and rhetoric, I think in an American culture, we value much of the same. We we want data, we want, we want proof, we want evidence, and we want somebody that's experienced in that field who has a persuasive argument and a convincing manner of speech to tell us the truth. We live in a culture of so-called experts. Now, I'm not denying that there are experts in fields. There are plenty of people who are knowledgeable and have a wide range of experience in a field of study. But we see this, this kind of culture of looking to the experts on the TV or on the comment feed all, all over social media. We, we look to the voices of those who are verified, right? These people who have experience, who have knowledge, who have persuasive speech, and, and we as culture are likely to value the opinion and the knowledge of those kind of people, these experts, right? We would listen to them more often than we would probably listen to somebody like Frank the truck driver. <laughs> now, Frank the truck driver, he might be well-read, he might be well-experienced, he might be well-seasoned, uh, well-traveled, well, well, uh, but he doesn't present as well as the expert on TV. And so often as culture, we tend to listen to this voice and prioritize it more than this one. And so this is why Paul says, 
I came intentionally in a different kind of way to you in the city of Corinth. Now, Paul was a good public speaker. We know this. He has many public speeches that are recorded. He wrote almost the entire New Testament. He was a man of great wisdom, but he was very intentional in the way that he showed up to the city of Corinth. He says, I did not come with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't come with plausible words of wisdom because I didn't want you to believe in Jesus just because I had a convincing argument. I wanted you to believe in Jesus because Jesus is true. I wanted you to believe in Jesus not because I convinced you to believe in Jesus, but because the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the power of God. It is your source of life and salvation. It is all you need. And so Paul came, not with lofty speech or wisdom. He says, I even came to you weak and fearful and with much trembling. Imagine this. Paul went to Corinth. It was a bustling city, a big city. Lots of people of great intellect and and power and, and, and wealth there. And he was the one who brought Christianity to them. You can imagine when he showed up in his human nerves, there was probably some nervousness. Just imagine with me, if you went to a room filled with brilliant people, and your sole purpose was to step into that room and to tell these brilliant people about the problem of their sin, and that the only solution to their problem of sin is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that they need salvation in Him. Let me make it a little more practical for you. Imagine this. Imagine that you were to go to a full faculty meeting of all the faculty at Michigan Tech. Now, some of you are on the faculty at Michigan Tech, but imagine that you you went, and and I don't know where they would have this meeting, but let's say it's taking place in the Rosé Center. And I don't know how many people it is, but I'm just envisioning the whole thing full. It's a meeting of the minds, well-renowned, world-renowned researchers and professors and engineers and all the sorts. And as you're sitting in this meeting, perhaps you can imagine you're on faculty if you are or, or not, it doesn't really matter, but you're in this room. And during the meeting, the chairperson is up on the stage of the Rosé Center, and they call out to you. And they say, Aaron, you had something you wanted to bring up, right? You had talked to me in the hallway, something about Jesus or something? Come on, come on up and, and tell us about Jesus. If you're like me or Paul, you might look like this if your name was called. Really me right now? 
You want me to come up on stage and talk about Jesus to all these people? What would you do? What would you say? They're giving you the floor. Thoughts are rushing through your mind. I, I don't think I've read the Bible recently. Uh, do I know anything about the Bible? I, I haven't highlighted anything recently. I don't have anything memorized. Do I have anything memorized? What would I say? What if I say something wrong? What if they think I'm dumb? What if they challenge me? What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? What, what will I do? Where do I start? Right? What are you going to do? I think this is why Paul says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. This is why Paul came not with lofty speech and wisdom, but in weakness. Because when we come in weakness, we actually come like Christ. See, if you stand on the stage with lofty speech, you might get done and they'll look at you and say, huh, he's a good speaker. That was kind of interesting. He was funny. He told some good jokes. But if they don't come into contact with the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ and have the transforming news of the death and resurrection hit their hearts and transform their lives, what's the point? Here's the lesson we can learn from Paul. We can witness with weakness. And that's actually biblical wisdom. When we answer like Jesus, or when we live like Jesus, when, when, we, when we come in weakness, we don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes it's better if you don't have all the answers, because then you can point to Jesus who does. As a matter of fact, the word witness in the Greek language, the word witness, or sometimes translated as a testimony, like if you're going to sit in the courtroom and have to give an eyewitness account, your testimony of what you saw, that Greek word is the word martyr. So when Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony, the Greek word there is the word martyr. I did not come with lofty speech or wisdom. In our English language, when we hear the word martyr, we oftentimes think of somebody who laid down their life for a cause. And why is that? Well, because Jesus' followers, they clung to the cross of Jesus Christ even to the point of death, and they did lay down their, their lives for that testimony of Christ. And so even though we may not physically have to lay down our lives for the sake of Christ in this culture, when we testify to the truth of Jesus Christ, in its fullest sense, we do have to die to ourselves. We have to martyr ourselves, martyr our pride, martyr our own intellectual knowledge, martyr all of those things. Give it up and trust in the wisdom from on high that is found in the cross of Jesus Christ alone. I mean, think about the way that Jesus came to you. He did not come with words of eloquent wisdom. He was not much to be looked at, the Bible says. He came for you weak. 
He came to you not thought of highly according to worldly standards. Yet he had an absolute trust in the will of his Father. And in doing so, he demonstrated the very power of God at work. So why would God expect anything different of us when we witness to what we've seen in Christ? When we are weak, He is strong. When we cling to the cross of Christ, the Spirit of the living God moves and breathes through us in words that go beyond what we could ever imagine. You don't have to have all the answers all the time. You do not have to be the most eloquent or persuasive speaker. That's what the experts in the world think that they need to do. But a lot of times it's better if you don't, because then the Word of God can shine forth. So let's get back to that stage on Michigan Tech. When you're walking up to that stage and your mind is racing about what you're going to say, what, what, what can you say? I just want to tell you a couple of things. You don't have to worry about getting it wrong. God can handle Himself. You don't have to worry about if others critique you and think that they're right and think that you're wrong. God can handle it. All I would tell you is this. No matter what situation you find yourself in, just give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Him with conviction. Proclaim Him as though your life depended on it, because it does. Proclaim the death and the resurrection of Jesus, knowing that the Spirit of the living God is in you and moving through you. And then just let God's Word have its way with people. Give people Jesus. Point Him to the cross. Preach Christ crucified. Sometimes telling stories is the best way to do this. I imagine that when Paul is saying he came with weakness and trembling and fear and not with lofty speech, I don't know this for a fact, but we know Paul did this in, in many places. He came telling the story of his life. See, Paul was a man who was highly regarded in his past life. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious leader. People would go to him, ask his opinion, ask for leadership, and they would follow him where he led. Until the day that God stopped him dead in his tracks and transformed his life by the power of the Spirit and the conviction of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And once God had a hold on Paul's heart, his earthly wisdom was put to the side and his godly wisdom took root. And that was the thing that he held on to. No matter what Paul faced, his wisdom was from on high through the cross by the power of the Spirit. You have a similar story to tell as well. Even if you've been a Christian your whole life, you have this same story to tell. I would imagine that time and time again in your life, on a daily basis, your earthly, worldly wisdom has fallen short. 
when you've leaned on your own understanding, (laughs) you just have no way to explain the ways of this world. When you lean on your own intellect, sometimes you can find yourself in the depths of despair. But our God calls out to us in the pit of despair to redeem us and bring us back. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and the death and resurrection of Jesus, you are invited into God's presence. And He changes your life. And He transforms your life so that you will not lean on your own understanding, but you'll lean on the wisdom from on high. That you will fear and love and trust in God above all else. That you will let Him be Lord of your life and in control of all things. And when you do, The Spirit of God is among you, and peace flows through you, and hope fills you, and love is the way that you act. And so, my friends, you don't have to be the most persuasive person. You just have to point people to Jesus and let the power of the Spirit of God be at work in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.